You're listening to the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast, brought to you by Xmark Manufacturing. 30 years of pioneering spirit and innovation have resulted in legendary durability, all-day comfort, and unmatched cut quality. Go check them out at xmark.com and Crest Commercial. Introducing the 8-Minute Cyber System, the industry's first truly game-changing innovation in commercial battery-powered OPE. Professional landscapers can now replace their gas powered equipment without sacrificing performance, power, or runtime. For more information or to find a Crest dealer near you, visit Crest.com. You're listening to the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. The weekly show sharing proven methods and systems in marketing, equipment, and customer service, educational and motivational to help make your lawn care business an overwhelming success. Now, here's your host, Julio Tomei. Welcome, Lawn Care Nation, to another episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. I'm your host, Julio Tomei, and this is episode number 427, entitled, Keep Costs Low and Profits High. Well, hello, everybody, and thanks again for joining me this week on another episode of the Lawn Care Business Success Podcast. Really appreciate you guys tuning in each and every week, and of course, for the questions, the comments, and the feedback that you guys have been sending through. I really do appreciate that. Just a quick reminder that uh, the Equip Expo is uh, fast approaching. We are uh, under a month now uh, when uh, the Equip will be uh, taking place or almost uh, actually exactly a month uh, from now. Uh, so uh, you want to make sure that uh, in this home stretch, if you are uh, planning on going, uh, you can still take advantage of those uh, discount codes to get 50% off of uh, the current registration rate. I think if I'm not mistaken, that the early bird pricing is over, but that still doesn't mean that you uh, can't use those discount codes. You can still get to 50% off of whatever uh, the current registration rate is. The last thing you want to do, though, is just say that, hey, you're going to wait and decide that you're going to just show up at the expo and book your tickets uh, or, you know, pay for your passes at the door. Uh, That's the last thing you want to do. You want to make sure that you are buying those passes ahead of time so that you can apply those uh, discount codes. Uh, so uh, if you're interested in that, uh, you can check the podcast show notes. So there'll be a link there. The discount code is Julio. Uh, you can go to uh, the Equip Expo website and enter the code uh, in like the coupon or discount section in the checkout. Uh, or if you click the link in the podcast show notes or in my Instagram bio uh, or on my website in the resources page, uh, it'll take you directly uh, to the Equip Expo registration page with the discount code already applied uh, so you can do it that way as well. So uh, this uh, past week, uh, we had some more rain, which is fantastic. Actually had some good, uh, a good uh, shower uh, yesterday uh, in the evening. Uh, gave everything a nice, uh, good soaking. My backyard uh, in particular is uh, really coming along nicely. A lot of the client lawns, uh, I've been slowly but surely, as I've been uh, you know, ramping up the weekly mowing again, with uh, most of those clients, I think there's just a handful, like two clients uh, that I've been um, kind of still, uh, you know, just kind of deeming it myself that, you know, it 
doesn't need a cut yet. Uh, but with everybody else, I've put them back on a weekly schedule uh, and getting at least like a half a bag or so of uh, grass clippings on each uh, property. Some of them more, uh, some of them less, of course, depending on uh, the condition of each lawn. Uh, so it's nice to see uh, that the you know even though the rain isn't quite enough. Uh, yeah, it's not like a, you know, a nice, uh, really good thorough soaking like we had um, uh, weeks ago uh, while I was on vacation, actually, uh, and uh, had uh, one of the, my friends uh, text me going like, it just had a crazy downpour here. Um, it's, uh, yeah, we haven't had anything like heavy like that. Uh, it was brief uh, at that time, but uh, just light showers and stuff, but yeah, they're happening, starting to happen more frequently for me, which is a really good sign because as, as I've mentioned, uh, in the past last year, um, you know, it was still smoking hot and uh, completely dry at this point, And it went in all the way, uh, to October. Actually, I was looking today, um, I hadn't uh, posted anything on my TikTok account, uh, and decided, uh, to, uh, post a small, uh, video there, uh, this morning. And, um, uh, one of the videos that was on my TikTok was actually from last year, uh, showing, uh, in October, walking around going like, it's like, feels like July, like, summertime lawns look at them they're completely crunchy and brown and stuff and uh, it's basically the end of october and uh, lawns you know it still feels exactly like we're in the middle of summer uh, so uh, very nice to see uh, that that's uh, probably not going be to be the case this year uh, like i said uh, unless something just uh, dramatically changes but um like I've noticed the, uh, in fact like sort of chilly evenings already uh, and uh, you know um of course, the uh, uh, daylight going away a lot quicker in the evening, which is obviously uh, a given anyways, uh, because of the Earth's rotation and stuff. But, uh, you know, just those normal sort of changes uh, of fall coming. So, uh, like I said, just really good to see uh, that that is uh, uh, happening uh, like it would normally. And, uh, you know, with... Uh, last year being sort of that uh, just crazy weird uh drought uh, year extended drought uh caused a lot of damage um i think you know between that and the heat dome i, I think the year previous to that one um there's still a lot of uh, plants and lawns uh that i've noticed particularly on clients that don't get fertilizers and things like that the aerations and stuff, the, the basically the mow, uh, mow and go type uh, properties, um, where they haven't recovered. They, you know, they have gotten worse over the last few years, uh, where generally, you know, in the summertime they would get pretty bad, but then they would bounce back in the fall and in the spring they would be all like lush and green and stuff again. And, you know, even without fertilizers and stuff, but I've noticed a sort of a steady decline as, uh, sort of the temperatures have been slowly rising each year. Um, and, uh, you know, they don't fully recover and then you get into a winter, which might be harsher than it was in the past, but Anyway, I'm uh, just <laughs> ecstatic that, uh, you know, we're getting uh, the cooler temperature and getting, uh, you know, some, uh, at least some uh, uh, little rain showers here and there uh, to start. Uh, because, uh, like I said, for me, um, uh, that sort of marks the end of the drought uh, in my eyes. It might not in, you know, with other things like the watering restrictions, 
are still on. Uh, but I noticed um, as well when I went to my uh, recreational property there across the border in the United States in Washington State, uh, there's this little f- uh, volunteer fire department across the street. And they always have like a a sign up front that has sort of a message board type thing on it. And uh, for all of the summer, it was like, you know, fire ban in the county type thing. Uh, and I noticed uh, I went there today and I noticed uh, that it said uh, campfires OK. Uh, so I was like, wow. That's a you know, that's a big change uh, if they're allowing uh, you know campfires. Uh, so uh, that's uh, that's pretty good. So uh, at any rate, uh, that's how it's uh, been for me. And looking forward to uh, you know getting sort of on track. The leaves have been falling uh, with some uh, regularity on uh, certain properties. Uh, slow but steady, like they normally do. They will obviously uh, ramp up uh, through October, but uh, for now. Um, just uh, sort of uh, being able to uh, manage them uh, pretty easily. Uh, and basically, I'm in uh, what I would call stage one. I put out an infographic last year, just kind of a, a, a little fun a uh, little infographic that I put together uh, and basically showed like five different stages of, of uh, leaf blowers uh, with stage one being sort of your handheld blower, then stage two being a backpack blower, like a medium-sized backpack blower. Uh, and I think I used, um, uh, uh, for the most part, I used Echo uh, blowers uh, for the infographic because I had some pictures that matched. So I think I had like the the uh, PB2520 handheld blower and then the uh, 770 was stage two. Then stage three was like the 9010. Then stage four uh, was like a billy goat walk behind uh, blower. And then stage five was a stand on uh, riding blower. Uh, so it was like, you know, what stage uh, leaf cleanups are you currently in in your lawn care business? So uh, for me currently right now, uh, you know, it's very early on. Uh, the leaves are falling with uh, regularity, but uh, I'm definitely uh, in stage one uh, where uh, a handheld blower is more than enough uh, to handle uh, the current uh, rate of leaves that are falling. But uh, it won't be too long uh, before uh, the uh, handheld blower becomes uh, not efficient enough and it'll be time to go uh, to uh, the backpack blower, at least uh, to uh, that uh, second stage uh, of a backpack blower. Uh, and this year, uh, my uh, weapon of choice, actually my weapon of choice this year uh, for leaf uh, season, even in stage one, is that uh, Crest Commercial 60 volt uh, battery powered handheld blower. Uh, that one puts out 850 CFM. Uh, and uh, that little unit uh, is fantastic uh, for uh, the power uh, to weight ratio uh, and especially for a handheld blower uh, it's very very impressive uh, and then uh, for my stage two this year uh, I'm going to be using uh, the Crest commercial uh, 60 volt uh, backpack uh, blower that uh, commercial battery powered uh, backpack blower that thing has really been uh, pretty eye-opening uh, to me to see, uh, uh, you know, what a battery-powered backpack blower uh, is actually, you know, capable of. Uh, that one uh, sits at a 900 CFM. I think officially it's 899.9 CFM. Uh, and, uh, the big story with that one is those, uh, n- uh, Newtons, um, a force required. 
So it puts out 35 newtons uh, of power. So uh, you'll remember uh, if you follow me and watch, uh, you know, some of my YouTube videos and stuff when I talked about uh, the uh, Echo uh, backpack blowers. Um, the big the the big story was when the uh, you know the PB ninety ten came out, uh, the big sort of monster gas blower. And that unit was uh, into the 40s uh, for uh, the Newtons of Force and uh, was the most powerful backpack blower uh, that you could buy uh, at over, uh, I think it's 1100 CFM. Uh, and then their, uh, their 770, the PB770 uh, model, which was Echo's most powerful backpack blower for many years before they... Uh, launched the 8010 and then replaced that with the 9010. That 70 was sort of like their staple big boy uh, blower for a while. And that unit puts out 32 newtons of force. And uh, the Cress uh, 60 volt battery uh, blower uh, puts out 35 newtons. So it's uh, more powerful uh, than uh, the uh, 770. And I think the 770 is in the 800. Uh, it's either in the high 700s or um, low 800 CFM range. Uh, and then uh, the uh, uh, Cress, uh, of course, is uh, at 900 CFM, 899.9, uh, and then 35 uh, newtons of force. Uh, so it's more powerful than Echo's PB770. So like I said, very eye-opening to me uh, to see how it's like positioned there between uh, sort of, uh, you know, in that uh, high-end backpack blower segment. Uh, it's not the most powerful, of course, because there's a handful of uh, blowers that are in that, uh, you know, where that PB9010 are in that 1,000 uh, CFM uh, and 40, uh, n you know, plus Newton range. Uh, but to be 35 Newtons and 900 CFM is very, very uh, impressive, uh, especially considering it's battery powered. Uh, so super excited to be uh, using that for my stage two uh, blower this year uh, for uh, leaf cleanups. And uh, yeah, that'll uh, continue on. I'll, I'll keep you guys posted. I did a video uh, this past week. Some of you guys may have seen it. Uh, on the Cress, uh, their uh, stick edger. Uh, and uh, I had a, a client lawn, actually, a, a lawn that is just a uh, mow and blow type lawn. It's not one that gets fertilizer. It's not one that gets aerated or anything like that. Um, it's uh, one that I mow to basically keep the dandelions down. It's uh, just a really rough uh, lawn. I would call it a utility-type cut. Uh, customer's very nice. Uh, she's on a fixed income, though. And uh, what she can afford is just the weekly cutting. Uh, so I go there and do the weekly cutting. She uh, had her edges along her driveway and stuff were quite overgrown, Um I had offered in the past to uh, do the edging and stuff on them, but uh, she couldn't afford it, so uh, didn't go ahead with it. Uh, so I decided, since I had the crest, uh, and I think her edges, like she had moved into this house like 10 years ago or something, and they had never been done. Um, so they were quite overgrown uh, and uh, pretty thick as well. So I thought, uh, what a great test uh, to use the crest uh uh, of course, and I thought, well, the only problem there is that um, 
you know, when I asked her if she wanted her edges done in the past, uh, you know, she said uh, she couldn't afford it. So uh, I thought, well, the best way to get around that is to just do it for free. So I went to her house and uh, just, uh, you know, on the on her regular mowing day. And uh, I was a little bit worried because of the lawn being so rough. Uh, it was dry. And I thought, well, you know, when obviously when you're uh, edging a lawn uh, and you're running that blade and you're trying to find the concrete and you're going, you know, kind of riding the edge of the concrete on a driveway, uh, it can create a lot of sparks. And I was like, it's pretty dry conditions right now to be doing that. And I don't want to start a fire. Uh, so I took a big uh, fire extinguisher uh, that I have. Uh, and, uh, I thought, you know, it's, uh, the first job in the morning, we're getting some morning dew, so I'll do it right away in the morning. Uh, and I'm, you know, I went out and my truck was like, actually kind of like the hood was wet and stuff from the dew and stuff. So I was like, okay, the, the lawn should be okay. Uh, but at any rate, when I showed up to her house, I noticed that she had a, a large like hose reel at the front door. So I went to knock on the door, uh, and, uh. I talked to her and told her that uh, I was going to do the edges for her for free. And she was just like in shock that I was going to do that. Uh, but I was uh, talking to her more about the hose, right? Because uh, I didn't know, um, obviously, I don't want to touch people's property and things and stuff like that without their consent and stuff. And, you know, they might not have the water turned on. It could have been, you know, winterized the year before and never turned on. I don't know, you know, what the deal is with it. Um, but at any rate, yeah, she was like, uh, totally happy. She was like, I don't think it'll start a fire. Um, because you know, she could see the morning dew and stuff as well. Um, but, uh, she's like, yeah, go ahead, put the hose out if you want to, you know, lay it on the lawn just in case and, and just have it ready. Um, so I did that and, uh, used the crest to, uh, cut those overgrown edges. And, uh, let me tell you that thing uh, was fantastic. Um, the power on that unit, I cut those overgrown edges. Like I said, she said it's she's been there for 10 years and those edges had never been cut. Uh, and I did it all on the lowest power setting on that Cress uh, blade edger. Uh, and it's got three different power settings. It's got the low, the medium, and then the high. And I just had it on low for the entire job. Uh, and it had no issues uh, cutting through uh, the those overgrown edges uh, did a fantastic job. So uh, super uh, impressed uh, with that unit. Uh, and especially those batteries, those Crest batteries are just fantastic. They just um, like, there's no worry with running out of battery uh, with that stuff is, is what blows my mind, whether it's uh, the mower uh, or uh, the handheld blower, especially uh, man, the handheld blower, I can put, uh, you know, the five amp hour battery on that thing and I can easily get through, oh, at least 15 lawns and it'll still not be dead. It'll still have, uh, a couple of bars of, uh, you know, uh, juice left, uh, on the battery. Uh, so it's just remarkable. Um, you know, they weren't kidding when they said they had some, uh, uh sort of proprietary, uh, battery chemistry. Uh, so, uh, absolutely, uh, fantastic. Been very impressed uh, with the whole, uh, Cress, uh, uh, battery powered, uh, lineup as well. So, uh, very cool. So, uh, before, uh, we get, uh, into uh, this week's episode, I'm just going to play, uh, some of the, uh, podcast sponsor ads and then, uh, we'll get right into it right after this so stay tuned at xmark we've poured decades of leading edge engineering and old-fashioned work ethic into our laser z the pioneering commercial zero turn rider more landscape pros trust so now you can experience cut quality performance comfort 
durability, and reliability beyond your wildest dreams. Stop by your local dealer or visit xmark.com to experience an Xmark Laser Z and the attractive financing offers available now. Cress is leading the transition from gas-powered lawn equipment for professional use with the industry's first truly game-changing innovation in battery-powered OPE. The Cress 8-Minute Cyber System allows Cress-made 60-volt batteries to fully charge in 8 minutes or less. Now, professional landscapers can replace their gas-powered equipment without sacrificing performance, power, or runtime. And with a full line of equipment benchmarked against gas-powered products, landscapers can finally take charge of their business and make the switch to battery. For more information or to find a dealer near you, visit Cress.com. Cress, we power the professionals. Okay, so uh, this week's episode, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, one of the things that I have uh, done in my lawn care business, sort of uh, almost a philosophy you could almost say, uh, in my lawn care business. And that is basically to keep costs low and profits high. Uh, I've seen um, so many times, uh, in so many examples of people uh, living beyond their means of uh, doing things just for show, doing things to impress other people, whether it's on social media or um, in you know real life or whatever the case may be, uh, and uh, it just is not my thing. It just doesn't do anything uh, for me when I see people like that, or even you know consider. Um, going along that path. And I think that's why uh, in my lawn care business, um, it's sort of, uh, you know, I've sort of adopted that whole uh, KISS method uh, that they call it, right? Uh, The keep it simple, stupid uh, method, where basically it's just keep things easy, keep things simple, and maximize your profits that way. Uh, instead of uh, drowning yourself in debt with, uh, you know, over-purchasing um, equipment, uh, of uh, doing, um, you know, tons of marketing on like paid sort of marketing, um, uh, there's so many different ways, paying for leads, all sorts of things that you could be doing that uh, basically uh, are giving your profits away uh, and instead sort of subscribing to that method of, like I said, keeping it simple, uh, grassroots, uh, and, and using other methods to maximize the profit uh, that you are making uh, from the clients that you do have. So I've talked a lot about some of the things that I do uh, in my business with this. Uh, The number one um, that I would say is root density, of course. Uh, That is one that I cannot stress enough. Uh, If you guys are, um, you know, just starting out, that is something that, you know, if you were to ask me um, one of the questions, I think one of the questions that I ask uh, my podcast guests, uh, if I remember correctly, when <laughs> you know it's been uh, almost a you know uh, a year or so since uh, I've done uh, the interview episodes, and those will be coming back uh, again. Uh, 
in the fall after uh, my lawn care season uh, is done. I'll get back into uh, the interview episodes. And just a quick side note, uh, if you guys are interested in being a guest uh, this year on the winter interview series, uh, reach out to me. Uh, you can do so uh, through my website, uh, Lawn Care Business Success. Uh, go to the contact page and send me uh, a message there. Or uh, if you follow me on Instagram, just send me a DM uh, and just let me know you're interested uh, in doing a uh, interview uh, uh, episode. Uh, but um, as I was saying, with uh, um, you know, keeping it simple uh, and uh, just you know, doing those types of things, seeing that, um, you know, people kind of going beyond and then you're struggling, you're having to pay all these bills, whether it be on expensive equipment, um, or on, um, you know, truck payments and trailers and whatever the case may be. So, uh, you know, doing those things. And, and like I said, that root density for me uh, is number one. That's one of the things, um, like I said, if, uh, you know, when, when I ask my guests, what's one thing that you would do differently if you could do it all over again? And for me, uh, focusing in on root density would be uh, sort of the biggest thing that I would have taken um, a more serious look at. Uh, right from the beginning. Uh, when I was in the um, franchise system, sorry, a bit of a brain fart there. Uh, when I was in that franchise system, of course, uh, you know, one of the challenges there, even though you have a territory and they would try to give you some, uh, you know, work in your territory, of course, if calls came in through your territory, they would, of course, give you those. But there. Um, you know, one of my issues with a whole franchise system is that, um, you know, the franchisor, the person selling the franchisees, uh, that is their business, right? Their business is not cutting lawns. It's not that sort of, their business is selling franchises. And part of that, uh, to be able to earn their, uh, monthly income in the fees that you pay, uh, to be a franchisee that you pay each and every month. Uh, one of those things is for is them answering phones and uh, lead generation and all that sort of stuff. And because of that, uh, you know, they would charge uh, a certain amount for each call that they would send you, a lead fee, they called it. Uh, so they would send calls from all over the city. And so it was very difficult in that situation to... Um, really focus in and focus on root density. Uh, it was only when I left um, the franchise uh, that I saw from my experience working in the franchise that I was like, well, I know one thing that I want to do right away, and that is not drive around the whole city uh, and uh, you know, do that because that was absolutely ridiculous to, you know, have, uh, you know, a lawn that you would pick up over here. And then, you know, and the city I live in is quite large. So, you know, with traffic and stuff like that, you could be easily driving 20, 30 minutes, uh, between, uh, lawns. Uh, if you are, you know, just doing some in one little neighborhood and then going, having to go all the way across town to another little neighborhood, whatever the case may be. So I don't, I even like, shudder to think at the guys that I see, which I see quite often, 
where they are working in multiple cities. Never mind just even in the same city, but they're working in multiple cities and driving around and spending all that time uh, in traffic. And, you know, my train of thought when it came to that was, you know, especially if you're a solo operator, um, that, you know, there's only a certain amount of lawns that you can do. So why spread yourself out so thin and be trying to service such a massive area, like an entire city, focusing on select neighborhoods or a select neighborhood like I have. I basically has picked one particular neighborhood, uh, so much so that I named my business after that neighborhood. Uh, and that is where I work. That is, you know, what I'm doing. Um, is that and and because I'm a solo operator, I have seen uh, the fruits of that um, exponentially uh, of that decision, uh, and it's you know one of the main reasons why I believe, uh, along with very good branding uh, and you know a very professional look. Uh, that instilled confidence and uh, trustworthiness in in clients, but that root density uh, with those other aspects is how I built my business so quickly after leaving a franchise and basically starting from scratch uh, with no clients, uh, you know, to start again because I was starting my business under my own brand in a completely different part uh, of the city, the same city, but I was on the opposite side and I didn't want to drive anywhere else. I didn't want to do what I had been doing the past uh, five years. They say that, you know, cause you know, when I was in the franchise, obviously there were some uh, pain points being in the franchise. Otherwise I would have, you know, not have left the franchise. Uh, if things were going swimmingly, I would not have left, right? Uh, but obviously, there were some things that I felt that I could do better as a solo operator. And, you know, uh, just in terms of marketing, in terms of getting more clients, in terms of picking higher quality of clients, uh, and that sort of stuff, right? And, the, and all those sort of uh, things led me to decide uh, to leave uh, that franchise. And, you know, that root density was one of those things that I could really then control and focus in on. And, you know, right from the beginning, it was my number one focus. Again, like I said, I named my company after the uh, neighborhood that I was going to be launching my business and working, uh, you know, my business in. So I was already at that point, even before I had customer number one, already trying to deter other people from outside of that neighborhood from calling me because I don't want to travel because I want to, I, you know, and even 15 or 18, it's been 18 years now, 18 years, uh, earlier, you know, back 18 years, inflation, fuel prices, all that stuff was not what it is now. But even at that point, I was like, 
it's just such a waste of money uh, and profits being um, basically flushed down the toilet when you're stuck in traffic and you're not getting paid for that time and you're wasting so much fuel hauling a trailer around and all that sort of stuff. And that was one of those things where I was just like, keep, you know, your costs low and keep those profits high because the jobs that I am doing, instead of taking that profit and, and back then it would have even been, you know, obviously less profitable jobs because you're starting out, you're not charging as much as you know I am now on average. Um, but it's one of those things like, so the, the profit that I am making, you're just kind of like, you know, flushing it down the toilet. Like I said, right. It's because it's going to, it's being spent on fuel. It's being spent on, you know, uh, all the wasted time. Obviously I wouldn't get up in the morning and go, my goal today is to sit in my truck uh, in traffic, not being paid. Right. So it's one of those things. If that was your, uh, if I was going to say, you know, that's, that's, you know, my goal for my business, um, you know, you'd much rather be sitting on the couch at home watching TV. It's the same result, right? You're, you're not getting paid. Uh, so it's one of those, uh, one of those things, right? So my focus right from the beginning was, Hey, let's weed out all of those customers because I don't want to, you know, there may be great customers in certain areas and stuff like that, but it's just not worth the time. Um, if you're driving to service a couple clients here, a couple clients there and all that sort of stuff. The other benefit that kind of went twofold was with this was like, okay, well now I'm starting a new business and you know, marketing, what am I going to do for marketing? Well, um, you know, I was a big fan, um, of guerrilla marketing methods, right? So that is non-traditional marketing methods. When we think of traditional marketing methods, we think of like, Hey, let's, you know, run newspaper ads. Let's, you know, back when I was, um, you know, starting out and, and, uh, in my early endeavors and stuff, uh, the yellow pages, uh, the big phone book that used to uh, come to every house and every business, uh, that was a big deal to have your ad, your business ad, uh, in the yellow pages. And it was very expensive. It was the Google of the time. If somebody needed a plumber, if somebody needed a landscaper, if somebody needed a roofer, if they needed a dentist, whatever the case may be, there was no look it up on the Google. There was no look it up on the internet. It was grab the yellow pages and you would flip through the yellow pages al alphabetically and there'd be at the top of the, the yellow pages, all this sort of different occupations and things, roofers, all in alphabetical order. And you would go to that section and then there would be the ads for roofers. There would be the ads for landscapers. There would be the ads for concrete uh, finisher, whatever the case may be for dentists. Um, you know, and it was all you, those businesses had to pay for their ads and that you could have little, um, like a line ad that would just say your business name and the phone number. And those were relatively cheap at the time. You know, you might be paying $20 a month or something just to have that little line in a, a thing. Now imagine having to pay, you know, a, a contracted price to have your name in print on a book that was delivered once to a customer, uh, to their house once a year. And you have to pay every month for the privilege of having your, 
you know, phone number in that book, even though they have their book. Uh, and it's a one time thing that they get. Uh, and then as you went up from that, you could have like a one inch display ad, a two inch display ad, go to like quarter of the page and then half a page and, you know, a full page, a full page, uh, ad in the yellow pages. Or if you did like a back cover, that was like super sought after, like the back cover of the yellow pages. And there was like this one plumbing company that always had a full color ad on the back of the yellow pages. Uh, that was apparently like $8,000 a month to have that ad back then because it was so lucrative. Everybody knew, hey, you need a plumber. You don't even have to flip through the book. Just flip the book over and, you know, there's that huge, you know, local plumbing company uh, with their phone number right there. So, you know, it was one of those things where you could get into a uh, crazy contract that you had to sign and be committed to this like monthly mortgage style payment or car payment uh, for this ad uh, that went in and there was no guarantee that you got any work for it. In fact, in one of the businesses uh, that I had, uh, the the uh, um, security bar business, I believe it was, when I was doing like home security window bars and, and that sort of stuff was one of the businesses uh, that I had. And I had an ad uh, in the yellow pages. Uh, it wasn't a huge ad. It was a smaller uh, little display ad. Uh, but I did, um, you know, get the display ad and stuff. And I think it was like 300 uh, or something bucks a month that I was paying for that ad. And uh, I got like no calls the entire year from the ad, because right from the beginning, another thing uh, that I've talked about on the podcast that I would always do, and I still recommend that you guys do uh, to this day, and it's something that I do when I get to uh, clients and I'm talking to clients is I always ask them how they heard about me, right? So even back then, I would be like, well, how'd you hear about me? And I, because uh, I would have ads uh, in that yellow pages, but I would also run ads sometimes in like the local community newspapers and things like that. Cause that's what you did. Like, again, there was no Google, there was no, um, that sort of stuff where people were looking up, um, you know, businesses and things like that, uh, for services and stuff. Um, you know, it just wasn't, uh, evolved uh, to the point that it is uh, today where that's how we rely. That's how we find stuff. It's all at your fingertips now. Uh, so back then, uh, you had to sort of uh, do that. There was no choice uh, but to do that if you wanted to, uh, you know, uh, get started. So I knew right away from my previous experiences with like window bars and things like that, that, um, you know, there was no guarantee from that. And there was no, um, you know, I, I didn't have a good track record of running paid ads and stuff in those types of, uh, you know, old style, old fashioned print type medias. Um, and so I remember when I first switched, uh, and left the franchise company, I didn't do yellow pages, uh, but I did run a small ad just to test out because the community that I'm working in had one of those small little community newspapers and, uh, you know, they had a little section in the back, uh, like most do in the classifieds and there was services and things. And you could, you know, see the landscapers and all that sort of stuff. And I thought, okay, you know what? I will run an ad just in this one particular newspaper. Cause it's in that community only houses that 
are in the community that I'm working in will get this newspaper. So I'll just, you know, try a test run of this uh, little ad. And um, I think I did like a six month uh, test run with that one. Uh, And uh, again, not one call Um, or no, I think there was maybe there was one call uh, with that one early on and it didn't even result in the job. Uh, it was just this one, uh, call. And I remember them calling me back the uh, newspaper company to renew the ad. And at this point, as I've told you guys, um, you know, when I, before I left the franchise company, I was already, you know, had planned, uh, my new endeavor, the current company that I'm with, uh, that I have, that I built, uh, and I was, you know, had the website going, I had all that sort of stuff, uh, in advance of my first spring, I launched everything the winter before. So everything, the SEO, all that stuff was kind of working. Uh, there was the Google, my business already and things, um, when I first uh, launched, uh, my own brand. Uh, and, uh, I remember that newspaper company calling me after six months. And, and by this point, it was like my first six months in business. Um, you know, we're talking like uh, being, you know, uh, middle of summer or so when that first set of ads uh, kind of ran out. So they were calling me to renew. And I was like, well, yeah, I'm not going to renew. Uh, and they asked me why. And I said, because... Uh, you know, I've run the ad for like six months and I got one call from the ad. And uh, in contrast, uh, I pay nothing for my Google My Business, uh, you know, listing. And that has resulted in all of the calls coming uh, through my business, even, uh, you know, that many years ago, back uh, when I launched my own brand, it was like 2010, 2011. Um, So it was already like, you know, even though Google and having like Google My Business was relatively new, it was already so powerful. So I, you know, I kept doing that uh, sort of, you know, trim the fat, right? Remove those things uh, that are uh, taking uh, those profits away and, uh, you know, uh, increasing uh, my profits that way, keeping costs low, uh, and, uh, keeping profits high. Uh, so, you know, I see it all the time where people are, uh, uh very easy. And, and of course, you know, you have to look at the ROI, the return on investment on certain things, whether it's like, uh, Facebook ads and stuff like that. And sometimes it can be very lucrative to run those ads and pay for, you know, marketing and things like that. Uh, especially, if it's targeted marketing, uh, something like uh, Facebook ads, for example, because um, of being able to pick your exact demographic, uh, you know, location, age range, whatever the case may be, uh, Facebook has a lot of information on its users, uh, whether uh, those users, uh, you know, are uh, like it or not, just from their patterns and all that sort of stuff and their usage. Um, So you can really target uh, ads on Facebook if you want to, you know, do paid ads. So something like that is a lot more powerful than just a blanket. Hey, let me, um, you know, put an ad in the phone book, or let me just, you know, put an ad in the back of the newspaper that's just kind of, you know, going out uh, to everybody. And I think uh, this day and age of that sort of stuff is very, um, 
very difficult. Um, I think it's a dying art. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that sort of stuff goes away in terms of like the print part of it and all that sort of stuff. Um, of course, uh, you know, you see the rise of other things, uh, ads now on like Craigslist and things like that for services, um, and a lot, uh, a host of, uh, other companies and apps and stuff. And again, it's one of those things where for me, um, it just, I, I know a lot of guys do have some success with some of these home apps and things like that, that uh, you know, kind of recommend service like Angie's list and things like that, that you hear about. Uh, but for me, it just reminds me so much of the franchise system where, you know, you're having to pay these companies for leads that may or may not be qualified clients. Uh, and their only concern of course, is to, uh, generate those leads that they can charge you for. Um, versus, you know, what the end result is for you. Uh, and that can get really costly, uh, at the end of the month, if you're paying for a bunch of, you know, uh, lead fees and calls and stuff like that, that didn't result in anything. So, uh, for me, like I said, it, I, I just always went through the whole, you know, uh, keep your costs low and that will buy, uh, contrast and, you know, naturally keep your profits high because, um, you won't need to have as many jobs or, uh, have to deal with taking on, you know, a lot of maybe low end jobs that you otherwise would like to not take because you're forced to, because of a bunch of bills that you need to pay and all that sort of stuff. So it's, it's along that line. If I could tell myself, you know, my younger self, um, you know, a piece of advice, uh, it would be that, uh, is just uh, to keep, uh, your costs low and, uh, you know, focus in on the profits. You know, it doesn't take much, uh, in terms of, uh, I see as well. Um, and you have to ask yourself, what is it that you want? out of your lawn care business. Um, what is your end goals for it? So, you know, that really has a lot to determine on how aggressive, uh, you want to be with your marketing and all that sort of stuff and, and what it is that you ultimately want. Now, obviously as human beings, uh, were put on this earth. And I think the end result, everybody wants to be happy, right? Nobody wants to be, uh, sad. Nobody wants to be stressed out. Nobody wants to be, um, mad, uh, or disgruntled or whatever the case may be, right? Everybody wants to be happy. Uh, but you can, I think a lot of people chase, um, a lot of empty dreams, a lot of empty things, thinking that, you know, like material goods and stuff like that is what's going to bring them happiness. And those things may, 
for a little while. But, you know, that true sense of happiness and stuff like that doesn't come from that stuff. It comes from other things, other more important things, like the people you surround yourself with, like your family and things like that. So, you know, I've never been too concerned about that sort of stuff and like showing off to people or things like that. So I think that has kept me well grounded in that sense um, to be able to stick to that uh, sort of philosophy of, you know, um, keep your costs low and then, you know, your profits will be higher because by uh, essence, I don't need as many uh, jobs to do to maintain that same sort of profit level uh, because I'm not paying out a ton, um, you know, out of uh, uh, those profits to, um, you know, pay bills and all that sort of stuff uh, to keep the business running and stuff like that because you're just chasing uh, and, you know, paying for expensive equipment and trailers and all that sort of stuff or, or, uh, you know, ridiculous marketing or, or things like that, that is just like, well, you know, for example, with that marketing, like I said, you have to see what is it that you want out of your business. If you're just a solo operator, there's really, in my eyes, no sense in using paid marketing and all that sort of stuff. Because you're only one person. There's only a certain amount of jobs you can do. And this was my issue. Um, one of my issues that I learned very quickly with the franchise was that, hey, I'm only one person. And just like I am now with my current you know, brand and company and stuff that I've had now um, for uh, many years, since 2010... I've have a lot of my clients who have been with me right from the beginning of, um, you know, that transition. I talked about how last year, uh, you know, um, was, uh, I think it was through the summer where I did sort of the last mows for my very first client that I picked up under my new, you know, uh, current company name after I left, uh, the franchise and moved to a different part of town. Uh, and you know, I had serviced that client for the entire, you know, term of my business up to the point where she was no, now too old and elderly and had to go to a, an, a, you know, an old folks home. Uh, so I look at that and go, you know, a lot of my clients are like long term. So why would I keep paying recurring fees to a franchise month after month after month for, you know, the clients that, you know, you might initially get through them through, you know, a franchise system or whatever the, the case may be. But if you stay as that franchise, then you keep paying those fees month after month after month. And it didn't make any sense to me. So that's when I, when I left the franchise and I abandoned uh, the franchise and all the clients and all that stuff, because I was moving to a different part. I was like, this is like the perfect time to make a clean break. And, you know, went on my own in a different part of town, started from scratch. And it was like, there you go. I just saved myself at the time. Uh, it was like 500 and 550 bucks a month or something like that. in the franchise fees that I was paying. And, and that's not including like the lead fees and stuff and on top of that, but it was like, 
okay, like, you know, within the first, you know, I've talked about how I thought it would take like three years to get back to the same, you know, level that I was at, um, with the franchise company. And within the first season, I had already exceeded, uh, the income level and the clients that I had, a uh, number of clients that I had on my own, under my own brand, because of the planning, because of the root density and all that. And just, you know, focusing in on a specific area, I was already at a much better place than I was after five years with the franchise. And I didn't have to pay 500 bucks a month to do it. So it was one of those things where it was just like, keep my costs low. It was another thing where I trimmed the fat, trimmed that franchise fee and got rid of it. And was like, you know what? I may have lost some money in the whole franchise uh, transaction in terms of, um, you know, abandoning my franchise and just kind of walking away from it. Cause for me, that was the best, uh, choice to do, um, was that. And I just figured, you know what, that was the cost of, you know, I kept all the equipment, kept my trailer because I wanted all that. If I tried to sell my franchise, I'd have to give away the trailer and all that stuff with it. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to keep the trailer. I wanted to keep all the equipment. Um, so I thought, you know what? Um, that's the best sort of a clean way to do it and just save myself 500 bucks a month and can build you know, the company from scratch, uh, and do it my way, use the gorilla marketing methods, uh, that I had come up with and was thinking about and built the company a lot, uh, quicker, uh, and faster and didn't need to have that. And, you know, here we are many years later, uh, and have been completely successful in going out on my own, uh, and, I'm much happier for that. I used to say, uh, when I started the franchise and it's, and it's not to, um, you know, talk bad about the franchise or anything like that. It's for some people, it's the right choice. I used to say that when I bought the franchise, it was the best decision that I had ever made. And it was true at the time. I learned a lot being a part of that franchise but then when I sold it, that was really the best choice I had ever made. Uh, and, you know, I'm still reaping the benefits of that, uh, of just going out on my own and, you know, seeing what I could do on my own. I knew that I had the potential. I knew um, that all these things that I didn't have to chase uh, a million clients Uh and all that sort of stuff that going out on my own, that there was plenty of work that I could focus in on a small area, root density, uh, that I didn't have to, by doing that, wouldn't be wasting a ton of uh, money on fuel. Uh, marketing would be so much easier because instead of spreading myself out too thin, um, I could do things like go door to door and drop off flyers and stuff like that. And because I am just working in a specific, uh, neighborhood that would gain me a lot of traction because, you know, instead of maybe tackling a particular neighborhood one day, putting flyers and then going across town to put flyers in another particular neighborhood and then another area, I could attack that same neighborhood again the following week and 
kind of do this sort of repetition with that. And for me, I found really good success at, you know, uh, right away with doing flyers. Um, I thought it was pretty good. Like I could hit, um, say a hundred houses at a time. And I think that's how I was measuring it. It was like every hundred houses. And at the time I was getting like two jobs per every hundred houses that I was putting flyers on, putting flyers, um, door to door on a hundred houses is like nothing. It, it's like a, a small, like a couple streets, uh, and you've covered like a hundred houses. It's not a huge deal. And, uh, like I said, I would get like two jobs. That was a huge success. You know, spend 20 minutes walking through a neighborhood, dropping off a uh, hundred flyers, get two jobs. One of those might turn into a customer that you have for like 12 years mowing their lawn every week. It was like a no brainer to me. So stuff like that was like, Hey, this is like, keep costs low and keep profits high, uh, and doing stuff like that. Uh, focusing in on dense, small city properties was another thing. Not only could I cover in that same smaller territory. Now, obviously, if you're in a rural area, this will be more difficult because by nature or, you know, your driving is involved when you're talking about acreages and things like that. You know, you can't just go think. But for me, because it was like, well, I can focus in on, you know, a smaller dense city or whatever the case may be. And, you know, the area that I live in is mixed. There are rural properties and things like that. But I focused in mainly on the sort of smaller dense parts. I could cover a lot more. Like I said, uh, if you're going door to door and stuff like that, very easy to cover, you know, a hundred properties very quickly, uh, dropping off flyers and things like that. Uh, and then I got, uh, I think I've shared this story too. I got, uh, kind of a light bulb moment and thought, well, you know, it might take me, you know, 20 minutes or whatever to drop off a hundred flyers here or whatever the case may be. But, um, you know, I could probably spend that 20 minutes doing a job. Uh, what if I just talk to this paper boy? Hey, I used to be a paper boy. Uh, you know, I was one of my first jobs when I was 11 years old was dropping off, uh, papers, a newspaper. I know how it works. Um, you know, things might've changed. I'm sure they make more money than what I used to make. I used to make like two cents a house, uh, for every house I would drop off a newspaper at or whatever the case may be, or flyers or whatever the case, but I'm sure they could use more money for just doing this exact same thing. Right. So I was like, I would uh, talk to the uh, the uh, newspaper boys and stuff whenever they came to like my house or whatever. I would thank them for the newspaper, and then I would say, "Hey, uh, you know, would you consider um, dropping off my company flyer with like the newspapers that you're going to the houses anyways? You don't have to do anything different. Just drop it off at the same because I knew they were just doing the same neighborhoods and stuff that I was working in. Hey." I'll give you 10 bucks extra or whatever, just to drop off these flyers with your flyers. And they were all ecstatic to do stuff like that. So it was like that whole guerrilla uh, marketing, thinking about things like that. Like, hey, you know, see somebody delivering newspapers and stuff. And more often than not, um, I've seen more adults actually doing um, for safety reasons and stuff like that. Lots of times a lot of kids aren't doing it as much, you know, 
uh, I'm, uh, you know, Generation X, so it was, uh, uh, you know, sort of what do they call it, like the last feral generation of kids that were just out all night and um, going around and all that sort of stuff, and it's a completely different world now. So I see a lot of uh, flyers and newspapers and stuff being delivered by adults now, but even better because there are more uh, probably willing to accept uh, extra cash to drop off your flyers mixed in with, you know, the newspapers and stuff that they're delivering anyways. Why wouldn't they? And, you know, it's cash for them and, uh, you know, it saves you uh, from going. So there's lots of certain things that you could do. Uh, I've talked about, uh, you know, parking your vehicle on the weekends at Home Depot or on busy streets or whatever the case may be so that you can have that marketing always working for you in those same neighborhoods that you're always working in. There were so many things, um, you know, I always had my um, brain working uh, in that sort of sense of thinking about how can I create efficiencies, uh, cutting costs, and, you know, making uh, those profits uh more, keeping more of that money that I'm making on the jobs that I have now in my pocket. How do I, how can I do that? Right. How can I, uh, obsess over things like that? And like I say, even with the root density and stuff, even having those clients on the same neighborhoods and stuff like that, it was like, okay, let's take it to the next level. How can I more efficiently do these properties? When I'm driving to these properties, what's the best way to drive? What roads can I take so that I line up on the right side of the street when I'm showing up at this house, you know, going there so I don't have to cross the street, so I don't have to wait for traffic, uh, you know, to go to walk back and forth to the truck. You know, I want to make sure I'm pointed in the right direction or whatever the case may be. So there was always little things uh, that I would always be thinking of to keep costs low and keep profits high uh, with that. And it just starts to come second nature when you just start thinking about that. Um, It just adds a whole other dimension. Instead of always thinking about more clients, more jobs equals more profits. Well, what can you do right now with the clients that you have, with the, um, you know, the, the types of jobs that you have right now to increase those profits, do you really need, you know, a $20,000 more to mow the lawns that you have? Or are there other things that you can use? You know, an aerator, are you going to get into aerating lawns and stuff? Do you need to buy a $4,000 aerator or should you rent one? Or even better yet, what's a cost to rent one? 80 bucks. Well, that's, you know, going to add up pretty quickly over, you know, a first few couple of years. What if you spend $400 or $500 buying a used one or even a thousand dollars? And like me, you know, buying it, uh, 18 years ago and, uh, old Betsy, as I still call my Bluebird 424, uh, that I paid a thousand dollars for at a tool rental place an X rental is still going strong 18 years later. Keep, you know, costs low and, uh, you know, that'll keep those uh, profits that you do have high. Um, look at the walk behind the Xmark uh, uh, turf tracer that I have. That was another fantastic used purchase uh, that I uh, bought. 
that mower has been absolutely fantastic, uh, has been a rock solid mower. And I paid a fraction uh, of what it would cost brand new to buy. And it's been absolutely fantastic. Uh, so there's a lot of things that you can do to keep your costs low uh, and uh, minimize uh, those unnecessary uh, uh, things to keep those uh, the profits that you are currently making high. Um, staying on top of your maintenance and stuff like that uh, to keep your vehicles and machines and stuff uh, working properly. Um, you know, keeping your vehicle decent. My truck is... A 2005 uh, diesel. Um, it's a fantastic truck. Uh, I still get compliments on it uh, each year from uh, elderly clients who ask me uh, if I bought a new truck uh, because it still presents very well because I've taken care of it. Uh, even though I bought it as a high mileage used vehicle when I did buy it, I've now had that truck for like, what is it, 13 years, 14 years, something like that. Uh it's been fantastic. Uh, so it's one of those, uh, you know, one of those things it's the price of a new truck. And I considered, uh, you know, purchasing a new truck, uh, a couple of years ago. And, uh, you know, with my discussions with some uh, friends of mine here in the industry, a lot of, uh, uh, though that you guys would know, um, you know, they talked me out of it. They're like, your truck has so much life in it. Why would you pay so much money for a brand new truck? It's not going to get you any more capable. You already got a diesel, a three quarter ton. It's, it's not like it's giving you issues. It's giving you zero problems. You know, so it was one of those things, one of those, that was one of the few moments where I kind of had a lapse where I was kind of falling in, uh, into the trap of, oh, you know, it'd be nice to have a new truck and blah, blah, but it wasn't for, because I needed it for the work. The truck that I currently have is so much more capable. So I'm so happy that I kept, uh, followed their advice, kept my truck, uh, and just, you know, put some money into the maintenance and cleaned it up a little bit, you know, little things that were bugging me, like the ripped driver's seat and things like that, got that all, you know, changed out and fixed. And, you know, it's fantastic. It's a great truck. It's more than capable for what uh, I'm doing. And in doing so, I've got zero payments. Uh, and that truck will probably go on forever. Uh, you know, keep costs low, keep profits high. Uh, why give your profits away to other people. The whole point that you're in business is to uh, have your profits, but you, there's other ways to keep that money in your account, in your hands, than to basically, um, you know, flush it down the toilet on things that are unnecessary. Uh, think about the types of equipment that you have, think about those purchases, think about extending purchases. Another thing, I am a self-proclaimed tech geek. I love technology and stuff like that. But for me, and I see, you know, a ton of people that do, you know, um, like I love my iPhone and a lot of people like Androids, whatever the case, whatever floats your boat. But it's one of those things where, you know, would I love to have the newest iPhone every single year? Of course, because I'm a nerd. I'm a geek. I love that stuff. But it doesn't make sense because they're getting pretty costly. And 
you know, I know they offer plans where you're, you know, paying every month, you're basically renting your phone and then you give it back and it's in a never ending loop of paying monthly for these phones or, um, you know, you can do trade in and, uh, you know, take your phone back to Apple and then they'll give you a fraction of, you know, what it's actually worth back and stuff like that. And it's like, it doesn't make sense. The new phone is not going to, um, you know, make my business any more money than my iPhone 12 Pro Max will. So instead of trading it in the 12 to the 13 and the 13 to the 14 and now the 14 to the 15, I've got my 12 Pro Max. I'll use it for three or four years. Once it's, uh, you know, starting to lag behind and slowing down and maybe battery issues or things like that, then I'll upgrade instead of like a, you know, a yearly thing. Like you see a lot of people always constantly with the newest thing and like constantly paying for this stuff, constantly paying. It's like, it's all superficial and it makes you happy for a day, a couple days, whatever the case may be. And then it's the same, uh, the same story all over again. Focus your happiness in your family and your friends and quality time with them and forget about all the other stuff. Look for the efficiencies in your business. Don't buy stuff and do things and get yourself into crazy debt to try to impress a bunch of people that don't matter. Think about your, you know, invest in quality time with your friends and your family and that's it. And then, you know, look for the ways to, uh, cut costs in your business, uh, and, uh, maximize, uh, efficiencies to increase the profits that you're already making. So, uh, that's it for this one, guys. Here's to wishing you guys all overwhelming success and freedom in your lawn care business. Bye for now.